This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 291. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, I've just returned last night as I record this from Mexico as a guest of Tequila Fortaleza. It was an amazing trip. I had such a great time, but also learned so much about tequila. Coincidentally, less than a week before the trip, I took a six-hour tequila certification course. It was sponsored by Hiatus Tequila and presented by the Tequila Regulatory Council, or CRT. According to the CRT's website, quote, the Tequila Regulatory Council is a nonprofit organization founded in 1994 that verifies the performance and the fulfillment of Mexican standards concerning tequila. It also guarantees the tequila's authenticity and quality and protects the denomination Appellation of Origin, or OAC, worldwide. Members of the council include the Mexican government, agave farmers, tequila producers, bottlers, and distributors, end quote. So tequila production is very strictly regulated. Once you learn a few things, you can tell a lot about what's in the bottle just by reading the label. Also, there are a lot of things you cannot tell by reading the label. So we'll talk about some of those. Finding the best quality and most authentic tequilas is not always easy. Some are made with love and tradition, and some, well, aren't, and they're mass-produced. Fortaleza and some others that I visited, and I'll mention those brands in a minute, are made with real integrity and passion. There's a lot to learn about tequila. Here are some really informative facts. Tequila is, of course, produced from the agave plant. You may have heard or assumed that agave are in the cactus family. In fact, they are in the monocots family. Someone told me that the agave are closer to an asparagus than a cactus, although I haven't been able to find anything to back that up. Uh, agave take anywhere from 5 to 12 and even sometimes longer to mature. The average for the blue Weber species of agave that's used to make tequila is uh, approximately 7 years from planting to harvest. The idea is to wait until the maximum sugar contents are, is achieved. The agave are harvested by farmers called hemidors who take great pride in their work. There are two categories and five classes of tequila. The first category is, quote, tequila, end quote, which is opposed to 100% agave tequila. So uh, so just plain tequila is what I used to always call mixto. Apparently the term mixto is not used anymore. Whatever you call it, this is generally accepted to be the lower quality product of the two. And the reason the word uh, or the term mixto is not used anymore is exactly what gave me the mistaken impression for many years that it was mixed with neutral grain spirit after distillation. That's that's not the case. The category tequila is allowed to be enriched with sugars other than agave up to 49% before distillation. Then it's all distilled together. So where we have the, uh, well, we'll talk about the next category, which is the category 100% agave tequila. And this is obviously produced with 100% agave with no other sugars allowed, unlike the first category that I mentioned. Uh, and this is really accepted to be the better quality product. And uh, it must be 100% Blue Weber Agave, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and it must be stated on the label somewhere that it's 100% Agave Tequila. If it doesn't say 100% somewhere on that label, it's definitely not. Uh, so as I was saying, it's, it's not just any agave. The species Blue Weber Agave is the only one allowed in the production of tequila. And Weber happens to be my last name, but as far as I know, I'm not related to the botanist Albert Weber for whom it was named. As I mentioned, there are five classes within the two different categories. All categories and classes, except for Blanco, allow the addition of a, quote, mellowing agent, end quote. 1% by weight of any or a combination of the following four ingredients may be added. Caramel color, oak extract, simple sugar, but not sugar derived from an agave, by the way, uh, and glycerin. 
quality brands such as Fortaleza do not use any additives. And in fact, there are just three ingredients, agave, yeast, and water. We also visited two other distilleries on this trip. One was Don Folino and the other Ararte. These are also great brands which do not use any of these additives that I mentioned. Also, uh, Hiatus, which I mentioned earlier, does not use ha- uh, any additives. Okay, so what are the five classes? I just mentioned Blanco or, Blanco or Silver, which is, of course, a clear liquid. This is allowed to be aged up to two months, although most often it's not aged at all. The second class is Young or Gold or Hoven in Spanish. This begins as a Blanco and is colored and flavored with the mellowing agents. Alternatively, a small amount of Reposado or Anejo may be added, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, If you see a bottle that is gold in color but does not say Reposado or Anejo anywhere on the label, this would be a gold. Uh, The young, unenlightened me used to think the gold was the good stuff, but uh, it really isn't. It's uh, artificially colored and and flavored, as I mentioned, in um, most cases. The next class, Reposado. Reposado, uh, meaning rested, it is aged in barrels for between 2 and 12 months. The barrels must be made of oak, but unlike bourbon, they do not have to be brand new barrels that have never been used before. 100% agave reposado tends to be my favorite when it comes to sipping tequila neat or on the rocks. The four brands that I mentioned make outstanding 100% de agave reposado, double distilled in pot stills. I would happily drink these anytime and proudly serve them to anyone. The next class is Anejo. This must be aged at least one year in oak, and unlike Reposado, which has no limit on the size of the barrel, an Anejo must be aged in a barrel no larger than 600 liters. In fact, it's very often an ex-bourbon barrel that's used. And the last of the five classes is Extra Anejo, which is aged a minimum of three years, again in an oak barrel no larger than 600 liters. The next thing to be aware of is that tequila is recognized as an appellation of origin. Well, what does this mean? It's a product from a specific region made with an agreed-upon set of standards that is regulated by some sort of governing body or organization. In the case of tequila, that organization is the Tequila Regulatory Council, or CRT, which we mentioned earlier. Just one other example of a product with an appellation of origin is Champagne, which is a sparkling wine made in the Champagne region of France, produced with specific types of grapes and using a specific methodology. But appellation of origin products do not necessarily have to be an alcoholic beverage. Certain coffee, cheeses, hams, and more have appellation of origins. Tequila is actually a town in the Mexican state of Jalisco where the tradition of making this product began. Fortaleza, Don Felino, Ararte, which I visited while I was down there, are produced in Tequila Town, among others, two, at least two of the other huge brands that you would recognize. Uh, tequila, however, is permitted to be produced in 181 municipalities in five different, different states. Jalisco is the only entire state included, but there are some municipalities in four other states where it is allowed to be made. Interestingly, these municipalities do not all necessarily need to border each other. The regions where tequila is permitted to be produced comprises of approximately 5% of the country of Mexico. Let's do a quick overview of the traditional way tequila is made. The agave are harvested after approximately seven years growing in the ground, the blue Weber agave. The humidors, the farmers, remove the outer layer of the skin, revealing what's called the piña inside, which was which does look like a giant pineapple, but is not. Uh, they are somewhere around 100 pounds each. The piñas are shipped to the distillery and chopped by hand with an axe into two halves, or some larger ones may be cut into quarters. The piñas are cooked with steam, or uh, traditionally in a brick oven, but there are a couple other options available now. In a brick oven, they will cook approximately for two days. At Fortaleza, it's closer to three days. Here's Billy Erickson giving us a tour of the distillery. He's one of the owners, along with his dad, Guillermo. Three days, they could start to say, well, I cooked for 33 hours, 
but it takes a three-day process to cook it. So it involves loading it in, uh, cooking it, and then unloading it. So The cooked agave are allowed to cool, as Billy said there, and then they are shredded. Traditionally, in a tahona, which is a pit made out of volcanic rock and giant, uh, and a giant volcanic wheel goes around and around in a circle. Back in the day, it was pulled around by a horse or a donkey walking in a circle all day long. We no longer have the donkey pulling around the tahona, pulling around the sandwich wheel. We have a little electric but tractor. Oh yeah, for sure. While the tahona method is traditional, it's very labor intensive. Fortaleza still uses it, but many others use modern machinery to shred the cooked agave. The now-cooked and shredded agave is washed with water to release the sugars. Most producers will then separate the fibrous material from the liquid, although a few will go to the next stage, fermentation, including the fibers. This is then moved to the fermentation tanks, and yeast is added. Here's Mitch Wolf, who's the national brand ambassador for the U.S. for Fortaleza, explaining that process a bit. Um, and then, because it wouldn't open that fermentation, uh, Guillermo puts in his proprietary yeast, but because it's open, you've got natural yeast that live in the rafters, and out on the property. I mean, you've got trees that have been growing on this land for hundreds of years, so all that comes into play as well. But because it's wooden vats, nowadays most people are using concrete or stainless because once you put it in, it's good forever. These need to be maintained and replaced every eight to ten years. Mitch is an awesome dude, and we have a full interview with him coming up on a future episode of the podcast. After the yeast has eaten all the sugar, it will be about 5% alcohol like a beer. Next, it is distilled. Fortaleza and the others I visited distill in copper pots. After the first distillation, it's around 20% alcohol by volume, or ABV, and is called Ardenario. Every single drop of Fortaleza that's ever been made came off that little 65-gallon handmade copper pot still from the 1800s. So every, uh, so to be called tequila, it needs to be distilled a minimum two times. So the larger still is used for the first pass. Okay. It's called Ordinario. It usually comes off the still at about 19% ABV. Mm-hmm. Our second pass comes off that little still at about 46%, so 92 proof. Um, and that's my absolute jam. I love drinking it right off the still, yeah. 46%. We also now will filter straight into the bottle for our still strength Blanco. So our Blanco still strength. Otherwise, it'll come off that still. But there's three stills here. So, so the third still is... Uh, new still for us. It's also just for the first pass. Okay. Um, so this still is probably less than a year old, all made 100% copper. These other two, you can tell they look very different. Yeah. Um, it's still tiny in comparison to tiny. most modern uh, oh, yeah. most modern distilleries. I mean, you were just in Scotland, so you know. Yeah. So <laughs> our, our, this still is about 400 liters, that one's about 250 liters, and I think that one's about 600 liters. So as it comes off the still, it's a Blanco tequila. It's a fairly high ABV tequila, and uh, in most cases, some water will be added to bring it down to a brown 40% alcohol or, or 80 proof. In the case of a Reposado or an Ajo or an extra an Ajo, this will now be stored in oak barrels for, uh, depending on the, what we talked about earlier, how long it's going to be aged. But uh, it's, a, it's clear when it comes off, and it's going to go in those barrels to pick up more, f- more flavors and, and the color. There's one more, well, a lot more things to talk about, really, but one that I really wanted to talk about that has a huge effect on the quality and integrity of the tequila. I mentioned earlier that Fortaleza and other traditionally made tequilas shred the cooked agave prior to fermentation. However, there are some mass-produced brands that use a machine called a rectifier to shred the agave without ever cooking it. The process of cooking releases enzymes, which uh, I don't know the science of, but would seem to be awfully important and have a big effect on the final product. There are no restrictions on using a rectifier, and it does not have to be stated anywhere on the label. 
directly next door to one of the quality small batch d- distilleries we visited was one of the giant tequila brand names that you would know. I saw with my own eyes lots of dump trucks coming out of there with giant loads of the dried up remnants of these rectified sad agave. They were so dry, every drop of liquid had been squeezed out of there. Is this method efficient? Very. But think about why one product is so much more expensive to produce than another. Do you want a mass-produced spirit or one made with love by a family-owned company that's been passed down through generations, making a product without cutting any corners? That's a lot of information, I know, and there's lots more to learn. Next time on the Bartender Journey podcast, I'll be coming to you from Mexico as a guest of Tequila Fortaleza, and we'll have lots more on the subject. And uh, I think next time we'll have a a short informal uh, podcast that we recorded in the back of a pickup truck driving around Tequila Town, drinking an 18-year-old bottle of tequila (laughs) with the other members of the press trip. We're here with my new best friends. All right, give me my tequila back. That actually was really (laughs) impressive. It was fun. That's a lot of information, I know, and if you want to reference back to anything I just said, I'll have more or less a transcript of what I just said uh, on the Bartender Journey website. We'll put it at bartenderjourney.net slash blog slash tequila. In the meantime, if you'd like to continue learning more about tequila, you can scroll back to episode number 202 of the Bartender Journey podcast or visit that pod, the uh, blog post that I just mentioned and for a link to it. Again, that'll be at bartenderjourney.net slash blog slash tequila. On episode 202, you can hear an episode I recorded while visiting the Patron Hacienda in Mexico uh, about about three years ago now. Hey, my book is called Cocktails Made Simple. You can find it on Amazon. Last I checked, it was on sale for only $10.39. You can get in touch with me via email at brian at bartenderjourney.net. I'd love to hear from you for any reason at all, most especially if you have any questions about tequila. Thank you for listening to the Bartender Journey podcast. I'll see you next time. Salute. Salute.